This is the Off Duty On Duty podcast, episode number 20. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge, and welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off Duty On Duty podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on duty law enforcement officers. To give you both angles of discussion, Today, I'm going to be joined by my good buddy, Hanny McMood. Today, we're going to talk about three things that cops wish you knew. First, let's get a message from the sponsors. Sponsor this week is Mountain Man Medical. Mountain Man Medical is focused on two core principles, build med kits and trauma kits that consist of name brand proven tested components. And second, make them the most affordable of any company on the market. Check out the full lineup of products and kits at mountainmanmedical.com. And remember, law enforcement officers, firearms instructors, and other professionals, you can save up to 15% at mountainmanmedical.com. I'm also happy to announce EDC Belt Company, home of the foundation belt. There is a website, edcbeltco.com, edcbeltco.com. Check out edcbeltco.com. We have, uh, what, two two colors right now, black and desert sage, available at edcbeltco.com. Also, very happy to announce, and I think I'm just going to wait until I bring Hanny in uh, to make the, the second announcement, another website that is currently active that we're going to be talking a lot about here in the upcoming episodes, and it has to do with you concealedcarry.com members and the rest of the listeners at some point in the very near future, an announcement from guardian nation and concealedcarry.com on a conference that's coming up. So stay tuned for that. And Hanny and I are going to talk about that in just a minute. And back again is Hanny. Are you there, buddy? I'm here, sir. Oh, so I teased it a little bit before we get off into topic land, the guardian nation conference it's coming. September, Oklahoma City. Let's see. The website is guardianconference.com. I'm going to tag that in the show notes. So uh, you're going to present. I'm going to present. Uh, Mr. LAV himself is going to be there. Larry Vickers. Uh, Riley Bowman's teaching a little. Chuck Haggard. There's a bunch. Bunch of dudes are going to jump in. Steve Moses, you know. going to. Uh, Fortunately, all, all, all guys I know and like and... Uh presenting twice this year once at TACCON and once at this one so for some reason apparently my stock has gone up in the world clearly this is a sign of the upcoming apocalypse could be you never know we are are recording this pre-january 6th so we'll see what happens there but there's that there's that yeah the guardian conference guardian nation conference it's guardianconference.com Go, there's some early bird specials for Guardian Nation members and just general public members. So the pricing's all on the website. And if you want to li- not only listen and subscribe to the podcast, but you want to, uh, you know, see us in person firsthand at the same conference teaching, that's a good opportunity to do that. And I think uh, everybody will be pleasantly surprised at the amount of instructors and the, the facility that we're doing this ad is really incredible so so uh look forward to seeing well, all the listeners there hopefully everybody that subscribes to the podcast my goal is that this conference in its inaugural year sells out 
It's going to be sponsored by CCW Safe. EDC Belt Company is sponsoring it. Uh, I know those guys. <laughs> so, and oh, and another thing, I don't know if you saw, but EDC Belt Company has edcbeltco.com. The website is live. So, I, I did not see that. For all your concealed carry belt needs, or or most of them anyway. Got a couple yeah, of colors yeah. on the website. You know, get pick up a foundation belt there. Uh, I think Mountain Man Medical and Range Tech are sponsoring the conference, so it ought to be a it ought to be a good time. And I, I look forward to, you know, I think this will draw some people that we've never trained with or met before. So really looking forward to. And uh, and that that's always a good thing. You know, if you're an instructor, to me, the the sign of a good instructor is one who wants to train with people he's never trained before and uh, go outside their comfort zone. Otherwise, it just turns into like a uh, tactical echo chamber. Tactical echo chamber. Yeah, man. It, you know, I got to admit that uh, this will be the first conference I've presented at. And I think I'm going to do, I think I'm going to end up doing like a four hour live fire block. And I got to say, when you're on the same facility as some, you know, the Titan of industry himself, Mr. Uh, Larry Allen Vickers, it, it kind of makes you want to up, make sure your game is on par. You know what I mean? Your, your instructor game. You're like, oh, I don't want to say anything stupid. So, and I don't know if you've noticed this about me, but stupid stuff comes out of my face all the time. So I think that's one of our main, uh, uh, bonding points. <laughs> uh, yeah. The inability to take things that have come out back. Uh, exactly right. Luckily I control the editing. So that's that's there is that it's well, nice. actually it's lucky for both of us <laughs> actually for I more didn't than, have you through most of my career unfortunately yeah there is that but uh yeah last week is pretty cool i got to catch up with super dave harrington a little bit and oh was, how very very cool i've never met the man and i've uh, always wanted to meet him we we had a good uh, chat on christmas eve that podcast dropped last week and uh Really, really interesting guy. Very deep intellectual conversation. And I'm not saying that ours aren't. I'm just saying that it it kept me on my heels on the intellectual side. So, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to admit that I I didn't uh, I didn't check it. Probably be listening to that partly this evening and partly on my way to uh, uh, work in the morning. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that would be yeah. Thanks for giving me the heads up on that. Yeah, I whittled uh, that one. That one came in at about forty-five minutes long after the editing was done. Uh, it, it was a great interview when it all edited out. It was like, man, that was really informative, and especially yep. um, if you're an instructor, man, he drops some nuggets in there that are just gold. And I got got to listen to it three or four times doing the editing and getting the upload together and everything, and it. Well, now you, now you're going to make me want to, you know, start searching his schedule and see if I can, um, find a way to train with him this year. Yeah. He's, I think he's got a gig in Florida and, uh, he was telling me he's still kind of on the mend from an Achilles surgery, but he's going to start running gigs again. His words probably, I would guess by like March, I think he's going to really kick off and, I don't wow, want to, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to talk out of school, but if you get a chance to train no, with a right. guy, I'll, I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a, I'll give it a look. We're under restrictions. As you know, I'm full time at the Academy and we're under restrictions about going anywhere in training right now. So 
So that's, you know, I'm trying to plan stuff for later in the year when uh, they are more amenable to us traveling and training. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be a, a thing with everybody. And I really am looking forward to this uh, Guardian Guardian Nation Conference, Oklahoma City Gun Club. It's going to be right here in my backyard and uh, beautiful shooting bays. And we're actually going to be set up on this cowboy action range facility. So uh, that, that, is that the facility that is it near Edmond? Yeah, it's, it's on the east side of Edmond and between yeah. Edmond and Arcadia. I think you went yeah, to an Ernest an Langdon range. I, Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the range I uh, when I uh, trained with Ernest. Uh, good range, good facility, excellent. Yeah, their uh, cowboy action facility is like you have covered shooting bays, like you can do half covered indoor outdoor kind of thing, uh, uh-huh. and it's got like seating there. So, and I was talking to you know, Jacob and Riley, they came out here and did a tour of the facility back a couple months ago. And, and it was really neat to be able to think, man, I'm going to be able to hand this, this conference member, a schedule and say, all right, you got a class with Brian Eastridge at the okay corral, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and you're going to the livery stable, you know, I mean, it's because they're all their shooting bays are themed. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of neat. And I don't know if you've ever made it over to that side of the range. It's, it's really cool. They've done a great job with it. And, you know, they, they even have one that's the saloon and it's set up like a saloon and they have windows on the back that are kind of like uh like a, a hinged window with a cable pulley so if the weather gets nasty you can actually shoot from inside of the saloon downrange really cool place and it's got like a wooden bar in there and stuff so you can give your classroom right there in the in the shade and all that and they've got a huge uh like they call it the barn and the barn has like fans in it and picnic tables and all this so it's going to be set up well, and and the guys are providing breakfast and lunch for all the students. I mean, how do you beat that? You this, don't even have to leave, man. This, this makes me want to like when we get done, turn on Appaloosa with Ed Harris and Vigo Mortensen. You know, <laughs> right? Go go catch up on all the the reruns of Yellowstone. It's uh, exactly, and you know, unless they have a bay that's like you know 130 minutes in Benghazi. Um, you know, I don't have any ancestors that were at the OK Corral, but, uh, <laughs> and people think that's a joke, but I was actually born in Benghazi. Oh, just, wow. You know, pass that along and we could move right along after, you know, we just move on from there. But, well, uh, I know, I, I know the city well, <laughs> or, or, or did, <laughs> or did. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to the conference. I know you are, and we're going to get to hang out and hang out with some of our fellow brethren and instructors. And, and, uh, I'm sure we'll see some familiar faces there, but tonight I thought we would, uh, since I kind of went down the training rabbit hole with, uh, uh, Daryl bulky and Dave Harrington, I, I kind of pitched a while back. I was like, let's get back on the on the cop track again, a little bit more and look at, uh, some, some realisms that we learned through police work that come, that we wish we could convey, 
I don't know, maybe a little more widespread to the, the concealed carry populace or, or the armed citizen. And I, well, I just wrote down three things, but go ahead. I, I'm sorry that I'm the only one you could find on, you know, uh, well, it was, it really wasn't, realism. well, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that so much as I was like, well, okay, we combine up our years in law enforcement, you know, we're, we're, the two of us make one senior citizen law enforcement officer. We, we do. We do. Uh, between the two of us, we are definitely have gotten our, our AARP cop card. Yeah. We're getting the free brochure and magazine. It's awesome. So, <laughs> but, uh, any, anywho, we, we were talking, you know, Daryl and I went pretty hard into the training rabbit hole about some of the realities of police training and uh-huh. Dave and I really hammered on the, instructor slash uh it was a lot about qualification versus certification versus training versus practice absolutely like like there is a difference there's a difference in all that stuff and a lot of people think that practicing a qualification is training and it's 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 not so and let me ask you a quick question brian yeah go ahead uh since you bring that up so in oklahoma when you do uh an agency qualification. Okay. Can that be reported as training? It's reported as annual in-service. Okay. But it is on a training report. And I don't deal with the reporting side unless I yeah, con- yeah. unless I contract with an outside agency. Right. And typically they will include the qualification in a four hour block of training. This has been really common. One that I've done is yeah. They go, hey, we want you to go over uh, basic range safety, basic firearm safety, and a quick review of fundamentals. And then we want to go down, shoot a practice, and then, you know, shoot a qualification, remedial, whatever we need to do. So there is Uh some training but it's more refresher on the safety and fundamental side it's not necessarily that now within my own agency one time a year we have that and on the second we're only required to qualify once a year now covid kind of they kind of kind of put a dent in that but the second in service that we do of the year with firearms is a directed training session for yeah uh, between four and eight hours and it could be yeah shooting around vehicles it could be shooting on the move sure. it could be moving to cover uh low light tactics there it's it gets a little more specific sure so, sure uh, and but, that's also the good and that's the way it should be yeah but i was curious as to how uh y'all y'all's rules were slightly different than ours yeah and most to this day we find people that are surprised when, you know, they just do a qualification. It's an hour, you know, you show up, you do this, you do that, you get your safety brief and you go shoot a qualification and they go, what? I can't report this. It's like, no, it's a qualification. It is not training. Now, if you do like you said, which is if you do a qualification in addition to training and it has an actual lesson plan, it right. is reportable as training, but just the straight qual isn't. So yeah, I, I think that that's you know a good a, a good way to do it. But 
I used to contract with some outside security companies and the reporting format is a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I mandated like, Hey, I'm not just going to go run qualifications. If you want them to come through, it's an eight hour day. They need this much ammo per person. And we went on an in-depth safety briefing, me and another partner of mine that just retired. We used to do this on contract and we would do that. We would do a refresher on safety, medical fundamentals. Um, and then we actually, there were a lot of their guys that had revolvers and I came, Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I came through in the era where I had to be certified and trained on a revolver as well to be an instructor. Uh, so as well, yeah. So he and I would, would, uh, we would kind of break the class up and go, okay, here's your wheel gun guys. Here's your semi-auto guys. And it was a really good deal because, you know, with recruits, I've got like two weeks and I'm working with three or four here, three or four there. And, and several of us are rotating around through a group of recruits with the security guys that I had to teach. I had to like trim the fat completely off the ribeye, right? It was just down to the meat and it, and they still had to meet a qualification that was very similar to the police qualification, but I only had four hours or so to get them, get them up to speed. So it it was a lot more intense pace, which is, uh, you know, I mean, that's good and bad, but, uh, but the flip side of it is, yeah, the flip side of it though, being that, you know, we had some security guards that I had some confidence in. You know what I mean? Like they, sure. and a lot of them had never been through anything more than the basic course. So when you yeah. laid out all the stuff, they were like, oh, wow. Nobody's ever explained this to me before, you know? So, so it was a really successful endeavor that I had there for a few years. And then, uh, but that yeah. was, that was my first dip into training anybody other than cops. So a little fun aside. Well, uh, um, I hope I didn't take us down another rabbit hole. If you know, I, oh, I am total the rabbit hole. That. Well, let's, let's look into, all right. So our topic for the evening we talked about is three things. Cops wish concealed carriers knew things that we want you to know. And I just, I jotted down three things. And number one that came up in my mind, this was fresh off the mind's cuff was that stopping okay. power, stopping power with a handgun is a myth it's not a real thing you can toddle off down the 38 357 mag 9 40 10 millimeter all of these different rabbit holes all lead back to stopping power after working a level one trauma center in the middle of my district for over 11 years i have seen hundreds upon hundreds of bullet wounds and i have seen dudes die a day later from a 22 magnum and i have seen dudes walk in with three holes from a 44 mag yep and that is now i will temper this with that is totally non bullet design there there's no data point there with what type of bullet what this what that um the last one I worked before I left the street was uh, a guy that dropped a 25 auto, which nowadays there are air rifles that have more ballistic uh, ability than most 25 Indeed. autos, right? 
dropped it. The gun was not drop safe. It fired. It struck him directly in the heart. And two and a half hours later, he was dead, uh, in the midst of surgery, but yeah, craziness. But, uh, and, and then I've had uh, the most memorable one for me was a guy that, uh, was appendix carrying a 45 auto without an appendix specific holster and did Uh not understand the finer workings of a 1911 and shot himself directly through the hip. And the guy walked into the hospital and I thought, Oh, so he took one basically in the pelvic girdle, but didn't hit any of the, the, the water hoses in there, you know? Right. And he was okay. And I've seen people that were headshot. I've seen people that were shot in the face with all various caliber from, uh, you've got me on that. Cause I, 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 uh, that I've never seen. I've never seen a headshot. The, the, uh, it's, it's odd to be having this conversation, but it is. Uh, I have no, uh, well, I take that back. Um, I'm, I'm guessing you've seen one at a crime scene, but never one. That, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, you're exactly right. Yes. So I, I'm but, but, not a believer in in caliber makes all that much a difference. It's more yeah. where, where do you hit it and how many times and did you put enough weight through there to do enough damage to, to shut it off? And it, it's really, really so wide open to interpretation, but uh, where this, where my opinion on this really started getting different was reading guns, bullets and gunfights by Jim Cirillo. Right. Yeah. But both his books um, were, um, were eye-opening to say the least as to what worked, what didn't, and what surprisingly didn't work. And they, sometimes it's almost like there was no rhyme or reason. It just, um, it's kind of like luck of the draw. Hit. However, uh, the, the issue of hitting where you want to hit was probably the most reliable indicator of results. It really was. And yeah. And, and having, possessing the ability to hit that point multiple times at a reasonable amount of speed. That was something else I, that I really thought was, uh, pretty, pretty eye opening. that, uh, the bullet design. Yeah. There was some bullet design that did have, did have an effect, but it was not, reliable and when i say stopping power is a myth i mean the movie one shot stop is a you know somebody gets shot and they go down immediately that's with a handgun especially with a rifle i think it's a little more predictable i mean there's there's because of the energy transfer there 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 tends to be a little more predictability of outcome but with a handgun i just haven't seen it um and I have seen literally hundreds and hundreds of bullet wounds and it's yeah. And some of my thought, Oh, well, I better get this dude's name and birth date real quick. And, uh, you know, two days later they're like, well, yeah, I got a hole right here, but I feel okay. Um, yeah. so that's kind of a, a big one. I see that still kind of lingers around on, not as much on the core of your armed citizen anymore, 
but more on the tertiary, the guys that are just kind of dipping their toe into it. It's like, well, which, which round has more stopping power? And it's like, get a modern reliable hollow point that feeds in your gun and shoots to a reasonable degree of accuracy and reasonable degree of accuracy is kind of open to interpretation. But I say out of a service gun, four inches at 25 yards is kind of the gold standard and everything above that's a bonus or everything smaller than that's a bonus. Um, yeah, that, that sounds very valid. Um, so, so is that our, is that our, uh, uh, first myth? I think the, that's the uh, first uh, topic. Uh, yeah. Is stopping yeah. power is, is, is a kind of a myth and, um, you, you want know, to add I, any I to that? Go ahead. A, a little bit is that, you know, stopping power um, means many things to many people. Because if the measure of stopping power is, did he stop? Which is, you know, a fair measure. Did he stop? Okay. The thing is, is that lots of um, other variables work into why, why the person stopped. And uh, one of the things that, you know, is not often taught is, you know, what we call a psychological stop, which is you shoot somebody and it is completely in a non-vital area and the person drops to the ground. Now, physiologically, there was no reason for it, but they did. Um, uh, Whether their brain said, I'm shot. I'm, you know, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done fighting or, um, whether they've been programmed by enough, um, you know, um, movies where the person gets shot and they fly through a plate glass window or whatever that it is. So a goodly percentage of those, when, when, when we use the term stopping power, which you and I, and most people in our industry really rarely use anymore, but using that as a measure that, the person was doing conduct that was deserving of deadly force. They were shot. They immediately ceased what they were doing. A goodly percentage of those are purely psychological. I had, I'm shot. So I'm done. I'm stopped. I'm going to stop fighting. now. Yeah. I had uh, a dear friend of mine that I mentioned on when we did the instructors that had the most influence on us, which kind of kicked off the getting into some instructor realm. Uh, it was my old buddy, Bruce Smith. And he was the first guy that said, it, you know, stopping power is kind of a, not a valid argument. And I was like, what? Right. But I carry 180 grain 40 caliber and it's sure. supposed to stop rhinos. And he's like, no. And I said, well, I've seen some footage of dudes being shot with this particular gun and cartridge ammunition. Uh, why do you say that? And he said, the only thing I can sum up for you is that stopping power and people falling down when they get shot is because we have trained them from birth to do that. And I said, how do you figure that? And he goes, well, look at all the, the action movies of the eighties. He said, you have the, this generation of people that subscribe to, you know, like the lethal weapon, die hard, you know, Terminator, Which all these we do, but only it's Christmas movies. Right. Only at Christmas time, right? Which I, I just, uh, me and the lady just watched the entire first three, or as I call them, the canon of Die Hard. We watched all three of those on Christmas day and it was her suggestion. So it warmed my heart, but, but 
people see that and they perceive that and they are wired in to think when it subconsciously, I think when they get hit with a projectile, their immediate response is to fall down. And he said, that's the only thing I can think because a lot of the people that he had dealt with over the years had been shot and didn't even know they were shot because they were on the outskirts of an incident and took a stray round. And I saw the same thing. I had conversations with people. They're like, man, my leg really burns. I don't know what happened. And as soon as they figured out they were shot, they would flop around on the ground because you know, that's, that's what they do in the movies, I guess. I, I don't know exactly but yeah when you say psychological stop that's how i kind of uh, sum that up that's how i look at it is so <laughs> which brings us around to if you are on the good side of the law and the good side of uh, the defensive community that a lot of people don't understand when we say pain is your friend that would be number two i wish that people knew that pain is when you are involved in a lethal confrontation, pain is your friend. Let's talk to that point a bit. Wow, that's a that's a hard way to put it. I know I I know it. I know what you're saying. I know what it means, but um, that's a hard way to put it that I don't think most people are going to get. So, brother, you start on that. So, and I will tell you what I'm thinking. I'll sum it up like this. In 2015, I was engaged in a one of those life-altering fights where, you know, gun comes out, gun goes away, gun comes out, gun goes away. I, I may have to kill this person to keep this violent assault from ensuing. And I had torn my shoulder up, swinging a baton. I'd been hit in the head multiple times. You know, I had a couple of... I had a couple of loose teeth. My bell was rung. I was breathing so hard that like air burned as it was going into my lungs. And that could have been the copious amount of pepper spray that I had deployed. But yeah, but there again, it was, it was at the point of physical exhaustion that continuing on every muscle hurt. And it was in those moments there that I was like, if I wasn't feeling this pain, there would be a problem. There wouldn't be any more Brian. Like, yeah, that would be the end of my chapter. It's over. Right. And I started to kind of take like comfort in it. Like, okay, the more this hurts, the more I realize I'm going to survive. I'm going to be okay. And I've talked to a number of people that have been seriously wounded, grievously wounded in various other engagements And it's like, you know, I figured if the pain went away, I was going right along with it. And I read an officer survival story or or not story, but study where they said, if you can hear the ambulance, the sirens from the ambulance coming to get you, your chance of survival goes up something like 75%. Yeah. And, you know, everybody goes back to, like the Stacy Lim story from LAPD, who I think she's retired Absolutely. now, you know, shot like twice through the heart, kills yeah. kills two of her attackers, wounds the third one and collapses. And a lot of people don't understand that when you're engaged in a violent conflict, your, your chances of being injured 
are greater than your chances of coming out unscathed. You know, whether it be a physical assault, a gunfight, whatever it might be, your chances of sustaining an injury are much greater than they are you prevailing and be, and being unscathed. I'm talking broken digits, you know, cut, laceration, broken bone, uh, whatever the case, right? Yeah. And if you are wired that pain is bad, pain is the thing that is is going to kill you, then you're you're already behind the curve. If you can embrace the fact that that pain is what is the difference in you continuing to fight and not, then then it it totally changes your perspective on it. Yeah, that, and, and um, to me, the uh, one one of the things that uh, taught me that was actually, um, uh, you know, um, uh, I started doing. Uh, grappling mm-hmm. and jujitsu and things like that when I was a rookie, because um, you know I, I was a 29 year old rookie, so I, I was slightly wiser than most, not much, but a little. And I realized that uh, a lot of the stuff that I was being taught um, worked well with agencies' use of force continuum, and uh, PPCT was kind of like, and it probably is still the dominant thing that's taught. But it, it didn't make sense to me that a lot of this would work, so I thought something else. And um, and if you grapple, you feel pain. Yeah, uh, you have to. Yeah, uh, it's just the it's just the nature of it. And hopefully, you know, you have a very good training partner that knows how to uh, that is better than you that is able to you know inflict pain upon you up to a point that you feel it and know that this is an effective thing that was just done to you. And then knows not to apply more, and immediately releases when you tap. And that 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 to me was my introduction to uh, pain is just feedback. Um, it, it's really neither good nor bad. It's you know you want to avoid it in life generally, but it, it is feedback. And when you're not feeling it, um, something's not right. Yeah. And I I I only experienced that one time. Uh, I got into a fight with a. Uh, with a with a guy that um, you know, my best guess now is that he was on meth. And uh, anyway, it was a uh, it, it turned into a turned into a you know a hands on fight. Uh, it it lasted oh probably about a minute minute and a half. Yeah, it went my way. All was good. And then as I was uh, uh, had him cuffed and taking him down uh, from the third floor put him in the back of my car. Uh, the fight was on again and we ended up going feet first down a metal staircase and the toe of my boot caught the railing Ow. and I snapped my uh, fibula. Okay. Got to the bottom of the stairs, immediately stood up because it's all adrenaline and uh, he was still lying in a heap and I looked down at my foot and it was pointing in a direction that was different than my knee and I kind of willed it back into place and it kind of creaked back forward and then it immediately went numb. Mm-hmm. No pain at all. And uh, I came to the very quick conclusion that I needed to secure him as fast as I could. Um, and I did uh, before, you know, other things happened. And I was able to do that. 
And, but yeah, I was completely numb and my brain immediately told me, uh, you, you, you just broke that. So <laughs> get done what you need done while you're in this uh, pain-free moment of numbness, uh, because you are not going to be effective shortly. Yeah. And it, and it all worked out, but yeah. Um, uh, uh, pain, pain, pain is your body sending you messages and, um, like you said, you know, when you're feeling it, that means stuff is working. If, if you're not yeah. feeling it, that means stuff is not working. Yeah. So. And when I was, when I was in the, the military and, and I kind of adopted that when I, when I went through army ranger school, man, because there is no comfort. You are constantly right. in this mode of uncomfortable and, pushing yourself physically past the limits of exhaustion and fun and human function constantly. And once you get into that zone over and over and over, you start to just kind of go, okay, my feet hurt. Well, that means I'm still walking and yeah. it, it kind of rewires you the military. A lot of people that are, um, you know, high endurance athletes, uh, with police training, especially in custody and control training, a lot of agencies have adopted these exhaustion drills where they, they put you in a mode of physical exhaustion and make you fight right. your way out of it. Uh, the old six minute fight drill, stuff like that. And it, it's not pleasant. It's not something that you go, man, I can't wait to suffer today. Um, but the flip side of that is the, the alternatives to it are, well, you're just not going to function anymore. And I understand people yeah, have, you know, pe people have limitations and they have physical limitations as you get older and, and things like that. But I tell a lot of people that I've trained, I'm like, look, if you can still feel the blood running down your face and the pain from where the injury happened, you're ahead of the curve here. And it's really hard in the concealed carry armed citizen realm to train people into that mindset. So, and that is, you know, when people talk about mindset, that is the one that I'm really big on is if there is a confrontation, your responsibility is to end it. Even if that has to be, you know, crawling on four nubs and using your teeth, a la the black Knight from Monty Python, you know, whatever. <laughs> Like it, it's just a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound and you keep going until you can't. And one of the things Dave, uh, Dave Harrington, and I had talked about, I said, what, what could you change about if you could change people's something about civilian training circles? And he goes, people's attitude. He said, people get very lackadaisical and don't realize you can get killed doing this. Yeah. And I thought, man, that's a great lead into, you know, pain's kind of your friend at times. So I think we've beaten that one into the, like into submission. Now that one's no longer yeah, feeling agreed. pain. Uh, the third one, and this one was something that came up, uh, in one of Ernest Langdon's classes was that number three is luck can overcome skill and Absolutely. and this is not one of those things that you should go 
well, I'm a pretty lucky guy. You know, I hit a $5 lottery scratcher, so I don't need to train because luck, luck be with me. Uh, no. And what he was getting at was, and he used this example. He said, if you're sitting in the front of a Humvee or a Humvee, a Humvee, and somebody launches a dish around through the windshield because they were just shooting at your Humvee and it pierces the windshield and subsequently your spinal column. Well, it really took no skill to achieve that. And you may be the best trained person in the world, but luck took your skill away. And that's something I see in the community at large that I can't, I can't quantify. I can't put my finger on like the specifics of it, but there are just times that a bad guy, an assailant can just get lucky no matter how well trained you are. Yeah. Um, I do have an example if you'd like to hear it. You go, you go right ahead. I have one in mind, but go right ahead. So I have a dear friend. He's now retired from the PD and he was in a foot chase with a bad guy. And this guy is, I would call him the above average bear with skill sets with a handgun. Uh, okay. He's been in a million different confrontations. He had been, uh, gosh, he was just a guy that had gotten into some stuff, right? And his skills had always prevailed. And ultimately he prevailed in this deal, but he's running bad guy doesn't look just puts a gun under his shoulder in the midst of foot chase presses off one round from a nine millimeter Springfield XD and takes my bro's shin out. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. And luckily my buddy knowing that pain is my friend, uh, subsequently puts down a, a wall of lead fires 12 rounds and strikes the guy 12 times with 12 rounds center mass. Well done. Yeah. I was like, well played, sir. This is while he is realizing when I step down with this foot, it's probably not going to work. Right. And the bad guy who had just made a lucky shot is turning to engage him now. And he puts, I, I want to say it was either 11 or 12 center mass and ends the confrontation. But the bottom line in that is it goes back to one pains your friend because this dude just got lucky and his luck overcame my pal skill and temporarily, at least, I mean, luckily it wasn't fatal for the good guys. Right. And then example right. number two is another officer that I, I had some contact with that a bad guy is in a car chair is being pursued by some other police officers. And the guy's going to throw stop sticks like a block ahead of where this uh-huh. pursuit's going. The bad guy hangs a gun out the window, fires around and strikes him directly through and through the bicep at like 96 yards or something crazy. You know what I mean? Like they call that the million yeah. dollar wound. The lucky <laughs> that's the forest. Yeah. Ah, you know, and this dude's like, I just got shot and I can't do any, like, I can't even return fire. The car's already gone, you know, Yeah. but uh, there again, but like I said, luck can over, no matter how well-trained you are, a bad guy can get lucky. Indeed. Um, 
uh, a couple things come to mind, um, and I'll start with uh, you know the first one's on my mind. Uh, this happened, if I remember correctly, I have to dig in the memory banks a little bit, but I believe it was in the 2000s, and there was uh, a deputy in here in Texas in the um, south uh, east part of the state, large metro area, and uh, I don't remember the details of why he was uh, arresting this guy. But there was sufficient cause that he did the, you know, um, get down on your knees, facing away from me, put your hands behind your head, and he was going to do. He he was doing that. That that um, just a felony takedown. Yeah, a felony takedown. You know that 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 is on foot and face to face as opposed to you know uh, like with vehicles. And uh, the guy snapped his hand down, drew and threw around over his shoulder, and. Uh, if memory serves, he hit the deputy in the head, and uh, he did not survive it. Right. And that is literally a, you know, the throw over the shoulder, as you described, his gears was under the shoulder, but same, same exact thing, but with a completely different outcome. And, um, and that's why we try to instill, uh, you know, especially in rookies, that, that distance and skill is your friend. So try to use that. Um, to your advantage, because when you get to the point of closer and closer distances, um, luck really, really can completely negate skill. Um, yeah. You know, uh, um, if, if the person throws out seven shots really quick using uh, zero technique and everything that we think is bad shooting, but he hits you exactly once in a vital area. Um, nobody grades his skill. It's, it's just your problem. Where did you get hit? And are you, you know, yeah, their luck becomes your problem. Their luck exactly becomes your problem. And, uh, the fact that six of the rounds went, you know, missed you completely and went wherever they went, they might've hit somebody else. They may not have hit somebody else, but they're operating under different rules than we are in terms of, the liability, good judgment, accuracy, all the things that we try to teach. Accountability. So, accountability for sure. And so the, you know, that, that one round, all, that, that's it. Just that one lucky round has to hit you. And so the idea of when you can use cover, use distance, the things that the skills that we've built up, try to use them to your advantage so that a luck is less of a determining factor. Uh, so that's the one that um, that uh, comes to mind because I remember I remember thinking about it a lot when it when it happened because you yeah. know, in terms of what he was doing uh, he did it by the numbers you know by the book by the number yeah yep and I actually have um, a, uh, another officer from another agency that I know that was working New Year's Eve and uh, took a round in the vest just randomly took around in the vest, never heard the report, never heard a shot, never heard anything. Just a, a yeah. bullet fell out of the sky and fell directly into his strike plate of his vest. And yeah. he's like, how do you, how do you reason with that? It's like, well, you don't, somebody just got lucky. You know, there's, there's no, yeah, there's no real quantifiable bad guy in that. It just happened. So, and I, I think um, that's a, like you said, uh, I, I think 
probably the best uh, best way to avoid somebody's luck is to create time and have skills or uh, not exactly. create distance and have a skill set. Yeah. And, um, the, the, the other one that came immediately to mind was, um, one of my mentors who is now, now passed. Um, when he was, uh, you know, a young, a young man on patrol, um, a, a vehicle pulled up next to them and this guy completely had to drop on them. I mean, he just pulled up, and he fired six rounds at them. And they immediately, I don't remember whether they uh, exited the vehicle. I was going to use a different term, but let's say exited the vehicle. Um, but, and, and uh, rained, uh, you know, hell down upon him. Later, it turned out that his very first shot was a squib. Oh, wow. The bad and, guy's first oh, shot was a squib. The bad guy's first shot was a squib and he had five rounds stacked in the barrel. Yeah. So, you know, the whole luck thing, it goes both ways in every way to everyone. And, uh, you know, they heard the pop, they immediately responded. They drew, uh, you know, he probably was getting his last one off as they rained down upon him. And, uh, yeah, when we, when it was examined later, uh, he had a squid. Wow. <laughs> and, and so, they, you know, luck is, luck is, is fickle. <laughs> it is. And, it and is. I have seen it work against bad people way more sure. than against trained people. But the element is still there that. Sometimes there's, you can do everything by the book and somebody can just get lucky. So, well, any final thoughts? We are running up on time and, uh, I think this one was good, man. Uh, well, I'm glad you think so because you're a much better judge of it than I, um, you know, the thing about, um, you know, we went down this uh, road of myth and, um, uh, I think we hit some really good points. Um, I think the one maybe I'd like to leave people with is kind of like that last one, which is that luck is luck. It, 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 it has no uh, favorite. It has nothing to do with who's in the right, who's in the wrong. It, it, it just is. And, um, and since that is the way it is, uh, the better you can try to maximize the use of the skills that you have, the better off that you are so that luck is less of a factor. Really all we're trying to do is make that less of a factor. Yeah. Uh, distance helps. Time helps. Better marksmanship helps. Things like that help. Um, and, and try to keep that in mind. Uh, and to, you know, steal from what uh, uh, Super Dave told you, which is that you can get killed doing this. Yeah, that's it. So, yep. And, uh, if you don't believe me that, that skill can mitigate Luck's ability to, uh, undermine you, uh, just come sit on a craps table with me at shot show when that sets again. And ah, well, (laughs) (laughs) I kid you not, but Hey, yeah, we won't dive off into that rabbit hole. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, uh, Man, I am really looking forward to 
TACCON here coming up real quick on us in March and uh, the Guardian Nation Conference coming up September 17th, 18th, 19th in the great city of Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City Gun Club. Check out guardianconference.com and the Guardian Conference. Hanny and myself will be there you know, to answer all the questions that you might have firsthand. We'll be there. We'll be accessible. My old buddy, Larry Vickers, my, my watch buddy, he'll be there. Samuel Middlebrook, Riley Bowman, Matthew Little, Chuck Haggard, Andrew Brank is going to be there. Steve Moses. It's, it's going to be the, uh, it's going to be a great conference and, uh, EDC Belt Company sponsoring it. Mountain Man Medical Bluetooth Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timers is sponsoring the conference. Please check out GuardianConference.com. There's early bird specials. My brother Jacob Paulson from ConcealedCarry.com has already got hotel specials worked out. They're going to feed you breakfast and lunch at the conference. And uh, it'll be a great time of fellowship and learning. So a reminder, check out mountainmanmedical.com and of course, edcbeltcompany.com. The Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast is a production of Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast.